Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit ChildAndFamilyResourceNetwork.org today. It's episode 20. It has taken maybe 15 years to get here. Has it taken 15 years? I think it probably has. To celebrate this milestone, I have genuinely the most absolutely fabulous guest today. Now, I know that sounds really, really corny, but it's just true. If you have stumbled upon this podcast in a happy accident, you're really, really welcome and I hope you enjoy it. And if you would like more, make sure that you subscribe wherever you downloaded this one. If you like it, leave a lovely review or a nice rating on iTunes, as you've no idea how important and helpful this is in getting new listeners. I had no idea. Somebody told me and I said, I am going to bully the listeners into this. So uh, please do. I would really appreciate it. This episode is sponsored by Bunsen. When somebody told me how nice the burgers were at Bunsen, I just didn't believe them. But they brought me for one. Wow. We're in Bunsen. We're in Bunsen. It's your first time. I don't know. I, I feel, I do feel like you've oversold it because... Because it's the best burger ever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> is a burger just not a burger? Like. Um. <laughs> you finished your burger. How, how, how do you feel? That was actually, that was really gorgeous. And I, as much as I hate to admit you were right, <laughs> it's actually killing me. Prove me right. Try a Bunsen at Temple Bar, Wexford Street and South Down Street. Here's the music. Hello, you are very welcome to another episode of Fascinated. My guest today is one of the funniest people in the world, and that is simply a fact. Mo Gaffney is a very well-respected actress, writer, comedian, and a passionate and formidable activist. Mo was born to a New York family and grew up in San Diego. In her 20s, she formed a comedy duo with Kathy Najimy, who you may know from Sister Act and Veronica's Closet. She is really, really funny. Together they created a show called Parallel Lives and then they followed that with a show called The Dark Side. Now both of those shows became massive off-Broadway smash hits. The two shows were then filmed for HBO as comedy specials and they won a string of awards in the process. The shows are very, very funny sketch shows with characters that will simultaneously break your heart. But there's a lot more going on alongside the jokes. Oh my gosh, I love those shoes. (laughs) Probably expensive. Well, you don't have any babies. You can buy expensive shoes, baby killer. (laughs) The Los Angeles Times said, What makes Najimi and Gaffney different from most comics is that while most will do anything they can to score a joke, this team will use any joke they can to bring home a message, such as the right to be gay or to have an abortion. Did I ever tell you about my abortion? I did? Well, Reverend says it's good to talk about it. Those women at that clinic in Memphis were so nice to me, you know, so caring, just wanting to kill my baby. (laughs) Oh, yeah, they told me about adoption and keeping the baby and welfare and all that because I didn't have any money at the time. But you could tell they just wanted me to pick abortion. (laughs) So being a people pleaser, I had one. (laughs) 
But the rights of women and gay people aren't just subjects that Mo writes jokes about. She's a lifelong activist for both and her speeches are incredible. We live or are supposed to live in a governmental system that separates church and state. So you can go to your church or synagogue or temple or mosque or home in your house with your crucifix or altar or banana tree or holly bush and pray and wail and dance and not get abortions and not use contraception but fill my prescription and do my procedure and don't worry about my soul I'm so glad to get my rage out. It feels great. In the US, Mo went on to appear in numerous movies, including Drop Dead Gorgeous, which is absolutely one of my favourite movies. She also appeared in almost every sitcom that you can think of, from Friends to Mad About You, That 70s Show, Veep, Mike and Molly, Two Broke Girls. The list just goes on and on and on. She also had her own talk shows, Women Allowed on Comedy Central and The Mo Show. On the other side of the pond, Mo also made big waves in the UK. Ruby Wax snapped her up to write and appear as the infamous reporter Taffy Turner in her BBC One show, The Full Wax. And it was here that she was introduced to one of her biggest fans. Jennifer Saunders cast her in Absolutely Fabulous as Bo, the girlfriend of Adina's ex-husband, Marshall. Marshall may have to eat sooner. He's hypoglycemic. He gets low energy and constipation if I don't mash it up. Have a crisp. All right. I've been in touch with Mo for a while. In fact, ever since I first discovered her podcast, The Momo Show, in which Mo's rants are just amazing. We've emailed back and forth for a while, and I was so delighted and surprised when she agreed to come on the podcast. I spoke to her at midday LA time. In fact, I very happily had the privilege of telling her that Absolutely Fabulous, the movie, was named as the most successful British movie of the year. We chatted for a long time and for once, for once, I kept recording. So this is a slightly longer episode, but when you hear Mo talking, you will realise that it just isn't long enough. She's just amazing. She is just amazing. This is the fabulous, the wonderful Mo Gaffney. I don't know if you heard the news today that Absolutely Fabulous is the highest grossing British movie of the year. Oh my God, that's so fantastic. Oh my goodness. Oh, you're so funny. And it's, oh, I I went to see it last night. Oh, you did? So brilliant. It was just so funny. But I'm going to ask you what exactly, because I don't know, I know we, what we filmed, but I don't know what ended up being in it. Um, So is it me and Chris? It's you and Chris, yeah, in in the kitchen talking about how he's transgender now. Right. And I'm black, right? Yeah, you're black. Okay. (laughs) So it still has the lines about me saying I'm black? Yeah. Okay, good. All right. He's transgender. All right. It was was very, very funny. But I think at the end there were uh, some clips of Chris actually dressed as a woman, but I I don't, they weren't in it. So I don't know. They were just kind of in the credits. Well, that's, Uh, yeah, that's probably the other scene. We filmed another scene when he's dressed as a woman and we're leaving the house but I that probably got cut but yeah that's uh we did film that so oh hopefully hopefully that'll make it onto the dvd well, one can hope yeah <laughs> Gaffney is that's a that is a real irish name it is i guess it is a real Irish. well we're really irish i mean i, I did my you know ancestry.com and so uh yeah, I'm mostly Irish and a little Cuban. Oh, that's a great mix. So, well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> They're both two fiery personalities. Yes, yes. Uh, I I like to think so. I wish the food was better, but what are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
<laughs> Irish food. We're not famous for our food at all. No. I, think, I think we're getting better now. But when when were you in Galway? Oh, my God. I just saw a picture from Galway not too long ago on my friend's. Uh, I was there, I'm going to say, quite a while ago, like maybe 20 years ago. I'm lying because I don't really know. I'm just guessing. So it was a while ago. I had a friend. I was in um, London sh- probably shooting something, uh, you know, pro- uh, either AbFab or, yeah, AbFab probably. And um, I went over because I had friends who were in uh, in Galway also doing a, a, a movie, shooting something there. And so I thought, I'm going to go, since I know people there now, I'm going to run over. And that's when I went and I had a fantastic time. I felt very at home. Yeah, Galway, uh, is, Galway has that cool kind of European city vibe. Yeah. That Ireland is so strange because it's so small. And yet you can go half an hour down the road and the atmosphere is completely different and you possibly won't even be able to understand what people are saying. Right, right. (laughs) Okay, I'm finding the picture. It was 19 years ago. 19 years ago. Wow. I know it's a long time, isn't it? Yeah, and and it's funny, uh, watching Absolutely Fabulous yesterday, I found it so difficult to believe that 20 years ago it was being made. Oh my God, longer than that. Is it? It's it's more. It's more than that. Well, when I went back to do the Olympics special, it was 20 years, and that was like three or four years ago. So it's been a really long time. I can't believe it. But yeah, it's been quite a while. It must be so much fun to dip in and out of that. It is, it's like, well, it's the first sort of sitcom I I ever did, Uh, you know, I didn't I hadn't done anything like that here in uh, the US and um, but I had done Taffy Turner for oh, Ruby Wax which is just oh, I just oh thanks I just watched those the other day and I just thought oh I thought these were so good but they're not really that good but uh oh, anyway. I, I think they're so funny the I, I watched the bartending one actually over the oh, weekend God. and I just I laughed so much it was just it's brilliant <laughs> we were young I, I thought I, we were hilarious <laughs> but it was and do you know what Taffy Turner if ever there was a character that could come back it's Taffy Turner God bless her <laughs> we should bring her back somehow we she was so clueless and you know when we filmed those we uh, didn't you know nobody know, knew who I was obviously and um, so, but we didn't tell them I was acting a, a part so they thought that Taffy Turner was a real <laughs> and you would see them look at each other like can someone this clueless actually have a job? Because I was just an idiot, let's face it. And I, you know, when we wrote it, we just made up statistics. And <laughs> so it was fun looking back and knowing those people thought that this was a real person named Taffy Turner. It was but, it was brilliant. I'd love to see her now at, uh, you know, at a, tr- at a Trump rally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God bless her. I bet she, I, I don't think she has enough sense to actually be for anybody. She would go there to report on it, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but she. I think she could really take the piss out of them. I, I mean, I oh, think. She, uh, well, with and being absolutely as honest as she could about it, she would. Uh, it would end up being ridiculous, but she would be incredibly serious. Oh. <laughs> Bless her. That was fun to do. And how did Taffy Turner come about? Because I mean, obviously, that was the route that led you into Ab Fab oh. and Jennifer Saunders. Right. Well, I was doing a show called the Kathy and Mo Show on Off Broadway, and at the same time. Alan Rickman was doing Dangerous Liaisons or Liaisons du Dangerous on Broadway. And he's very good friends with, uh, he was, uh, may he rest in peace, very good friends with Ruby Wax. And so she came over to see him in that show and then they dropped by and 
saw us in the Kathy and Mo show. And uh, then Ruby got in touch with me and asked me if, if I would do some sort of something for, it was her idea to, to do reports from America. I said, okay, and I just ran with it. And that's how it all started. I watched recently a Kathy and Mo show. My God, they were really, they were phenomenal. I mean, I, I was talking about this to my friend, because uh, I'm a stand-up comedian and one of my friends, uh, Eleanor, is a stand-up comedian. And we were talking about, you know, I suppose the honesty in comedy and stuff. You know, when you're trying to find the funny in something, it's very yes. hard to uh, think of anything else apart from what's funny. But the Kathy and Mo show, there was so much compassion. Oh, thank you. I mean, the the sketch that really stands out for me is the lady outside the abortion clinic. Oh wow, yeah, I that mean, was that's. Um, I wrote that. I had read about a shooting at a, a women's health clinic uh, where abortions were provided, and um, and then I read I read some more stuff on it, and, and I read about one woman who was talking about how she had had an abortion and now she was anti-choice, and I just thought, well, isn't that aren't you you know isn't that convenient now that you've yeah. uh, taken advantage of what is uh, a legal procedure for women now that you've taken advantage of it and your life is what it is now you can stop other women from taking advantage of it and so rather than writing something from the right side if you will meaning yeah. my side yeah. i thought try and make it into her brain and tell it from her side because it is it is sort of ridiculous and, and I, you know i think it all comes down to um people trying to to obviously control women's reproductive rights is it all comes down to not being able to control women anymore it's like, if we can't control you, if we're not top dog anymore, then we've got to figure out a way we can. And since we have nothing to do with your reproduction, other than supplying sperm, which apparently, you know, you can buy now, yeah. then uh, we got to figure out a way to still be involved in subjugating you. <laughs> yeah. Isn't life funny? But anyways... I just thought I, I really wanted to see it from her point of view. And, and I think it really points up a lot of the ridiculousness of it. It does. But also the, the bizarre thing is that so many messages are, are coming out of the sketch and and you're laughing at the same time. Yeah. I, oh, I, good. I think that that's so, that is really, really rare. At the time, was there anyone saying, just keep it funny? Oh, yeah. From the very beginning, if we ever wanted to sort of go bigger than, you know, our little cafes in San Diego or wherever we did it. But mostly the people who supported us and getting it on on Off-Broadway or further than that were pretty supportive of the message as well. Although they didn't want us, when we did Off-Broadway, they didn't want us to call it a feminist comedy. And this was, was many, a bad yeah. word then. Oh yeah, it still is in many circles. But uh, definitely then, the, uh, they didn't see feminism and comedy you know, working in the same sentence. So uh, we did. We ended up being able to, to do that. But uh, it f scared people. And, you know, whenever you tell the truth, or it's a, the truth as we see it, which is the only truth we can tell, really, yeah. um, that is different than what has been said, it's, it's always sort of difficult for people to let that happen. And was so it difficult I, to write that? You know, because mm -hmm. you've, your two brains, one must be angry and passionate, and the other is, des is you know, you're, you're searching for the funny and whatever you're right well i don't recall it being hard um because those people are ridiculous i mean i love them and i don't wish any badness on them but yeah yeah they, they are ridiculous people in the end if you ask me because they you know they they sort of make no sense in the end they think they're doing this uh, high and mighty thing that serves their god 
But in the end, they're not because they don't really give a shit about people in the end. Let's face it. Yeah, yeah. They don't. They pretend they do. They think they care about the unborn child. But there are born people all around them that they could give a big fat shit about. So I, I don't buy into their – I don't buy into them at all. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so. I do. I sometimes feel that men, with regard to abortion, we should just – Shut up, really. <laughs> <laughs> I agree I with you 100%. I really, I really do. do. And and then that frightens men because, let's face it, you know, I try and think about men that have problem, any problem at all with uh, women, ha you know, attaining the rights that they should have. And I try and think about why because it just makes sense for them as well. It's not like we just we want to rule the world particularly. We just want to rule the world equally with men. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And that's the bottom line. So, but I think it's it's so culturally and traditionally ingrained in our very psyches that being the top dog for so long, it's difficult to it's difficult to let go of it. And yeah. you know, and I understand that, but I, I don't I don't stand behind it. And I think well, you've it's you know you've got to get over it now. You've got to see that in yourself. And then you've got to fight past it. You've got to, do you know what I mean? For yeah. your own sake, as well as the sake of women in the world. Yeah. It's really hard, though, for men, isn't it? For some men, not all men, obviously. Yeah, I mean, it was it was hard for me because I grew up with, uh, I had four sisters before my brother came along. As far as I was concerned, I had feminism completely the wrong way around. I thought that men were oppressed. And as soon as we <laughs> got out from the yoke of women. <laughs> and, and then when I was exposed to the real world, I realized, oh, actually, things are really different. <laughs> I'm actually, yeah. I, I'm doing quite well. <laughs> um, but it's That's so funny. It's so strange. I mean, um, like we, we recently, we had the, the gay referendum last year in Ireland. I know. Um, where we, what I've learned since that, I, I kind of find myself thinking that, it, like it was 61%, I think, that voted yes. Mm -hmm. um, and I'd always, I'd always found myself thinking, I don't think there's homophobia in, in Ireland. You know, I mean, I, I've gigged in every county. I've never had any sort of problem with that. I've always just said boyfriend instead of girlfriend. And I've never got a vi that vibe from the audience. So when it, when it came back to 39% of people do have a problem, uh, I was kind of surprised by that. I found myself focusing yeah. more on the 39% because I thought, Jesus, really, 39%? And, and it was so strange to have people whom gay marriage doesn't affect debating mm -hmm. it and discussing it. And, I know. And then getting to make the decision, which is, you know, I was talking to one of my friends recently and we were saying, you know, there could potentially be a referendum in Ireland about abortion. You know, the, it's it's in the air that maybe it could happen in the next year or two. I was talking to one of my friends who, who who's also gay and he said, God, I, I'd nearly prefer if the men were just left out of this, <laughs> just let the women decide for themselves. Because we've been um, on, on the yeah. we've been on the the receiving end of people whom it doesn't concern debate in your life openly. Um, right. Yes. So that's on, that's been my only glimpse into it. But uh, but it, well, it's... I think yeah. I mean, as far as and you know, my idea with a lot of this, a lot of what goes on in the LGBT community, and what goes on with uh, women's rights, all comes down to um, organized religion. It all comes down to. Uh, I completely the, agree. Yeah, and and so it's very difficult for people to let go of. Um, to let go of that because you know that's sort of their grounding in the world is that they get to go to heaven 
<laughs> yeah, you know? I know. And so then they got to try and find what what are the rules so I get to go to heaven. So instead of leading a sort of a decent life and just being kind to everybody, they they try and go to the small print of how they interpret the yeah. Bible. <laughs> And and then uh, they think if I do this, if I say no because this one line that some guy wrote, you know, at least fifty years after the other guy was supposed to say it, yeah, yeah, it's just so ridiculous. It's it's beyond ridiculous to me. But people base their entire lives on it, so it's really um, it's hard to argue with them only because they don't they're beyond that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They're beyond that. So luckily, at least 61% of people in Ireland have good sense and you should and, and I think fantastic. And the other ones, you hope they come around and but if they don't, they're just living they're going to be so freaking surprised when they die regardless of what happens. <laughs> regardless of what happens when they die, they're going to be like, "Oh man, I spent a lot of time hating gay people for no reason." I know. Yeah. And the other thing is as well though, is that that 39% figure, that's a figure that nobody knew what that was. And that will never be revised now, which I, which I think is quite curious because I'm sure there were people that were quietly homophobic. Oh, yeah. And, and now think, you know what? There's 39% of us. <laughs> 39% of people are. This is okay. You right. Know, which which yes. I think in that respect is quite dangerous. Well, it is, but it's just the, you know, it's dangerous, but it's just the truth. So it's sort of like you just have to go from there. You know, as much as I don't want there to be Trump supporters, because it seems so incredibly obvious that he is, you know, the spawn of of evil. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's just the devil. (laughs) He's just the devil. Uh, I I can't, you know, personally change that. And I'm not surprised by it. Because people do harbor a lot of ugliness, all out of fear, in my in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, so all I can do is hope that the people who aren't quite as frightened have a good sense, and I think they do. Yeah. I hope to God they do. Yeah. yeah. Although Brexit, that's all oh, I'm going to say. I know. I saw the guy Farage addressing the European Parliament. Right. He, he was almost screaming at them. You were laughing at me. Well, you're not laughing now. And it was just yeah. looked like an old Hitler speech. <laughs> yeah. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that whole. Th- I, I I was blown away that it happened. I was bl- I was blown away by the amount of fear that was evinced by that vote. Yeah. It, yeah. I, I couldn't believe it, and I'm so sorry. And yeah. I'm, you know, I mean, for the for the Britons, or for the British. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it is terrible. Um, yeah, but uh, um, but it's interesting what you were saying about religion because I suppose the way you explain it there, it really, <laughs> I think it's really portrayed how you actually found the comedy in that. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. It well, was I, there. you know, I was raised Catholic, and I went to Catholic school for until until I was in sixth grade. So, so how did you end up in the dark arts of comedy? <laughs> <laughs> well, I come from a funny. You know, I think I come from a funny family. Uh, you know, dark sort of a dark funny family. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think that's I, I think I, that's where it came from. On on your podcast, the Momo Show, you. Uh, you described the moment, I, I think, was it your grandmother brought you to see, was it Carol Burnett? I'm, I'm right. Yes. Carol mm-hmm. Burnett in, uh, uh, tape. it was taping a sitcom. Yes. No, it was taping the Carol Burnett show, which was 
uh, like a variety comedy show. And and was that a, was that a big watershed? Well, I loved Carol Burnett. I loved, but I loved comedy. I mean, I loved from when I was a little kid. Uh, and my father also loved. You know, he had a lot of comedy albums, The Smothers Brothers and uh, uh, Richard Pryor. And so, I mean, we were we loved comedy in my house. And um, and so when it was a a girl comic, a female comic, I paid a special attention because there wasn't a lot of that, obviously. So with Carol Burnett and a comic named Toadie Fields and Phyllis Diller and oh, Phyllis Joan Diller Rivers. A, and Phyllis Diller was unbelievable. And Joan yeah. Rivers as well. I, I loved it. You know, I, I loved it because I was funny. I mean, I just always uh, was funny. I don't know why. I mean, I can't imagine why. I was poor and I wasn't terribly attractive. So I had to have something. So <laughs> comedy <laughs> was, my, was my something. I guess, which is good for me. I think you have to be smart to be truly funny. Yeah, you know, I think so. Be originally sort of funny because there's a lot of not smart comics, but uh, to be original and funny, I think you have to be smart. And I, I think women comedians are across the board quite smart. I do too. I, I think yeah. they operate from a place of maturity, whereas I think that male comics don't always. Oh, funny. Yeah, that makes sense. Makes because, sense. because I think comedies, it's a crappy life. <laughs> you know, yeah. like it's, it, you know, it can be a crappy life turn around. So I think that when when women make that decision, they are making it in a far more educated way, I think. Yeah. And I think also with most comedians I know, uh, stand up comedians, because I'm not really a stand up comedian. Um, cause it's much too hard for me, but, uh, most comedians that are women that I know, um, and most comedians full stop that I know, uh, it's, it, it's, they have to, it's sort of like they have to do it. They almost don't yeah. have a choice. It's do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, whatever, wherever it comes from, it's just something that, uh, they have to do. And I think that has to do with, with with most artists, because I do think they're artists, is um, that you have to express yourself, yeah, and that's how you express yourself, and uh, it's just a certain kind of person that needs to express themselves, needs to be understood, or try needs to try to be understood um, on a bigger scale than most people do. And same with me. I mean, uh, in some way, we just think we're right. <laughs> So we yeah. want everyone to hear our, our message. Exactly. Yeah. That is exactly why don't people listen? They just don't understand. <laughs> At a yeah. bad gig, I always think that. It always goes through <laughs> my head. It's like, you have no idea how right I am and what you're missing. <laughs> I know. Because it's the only it's the only way to survive. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's funny, but it's true. It is. And when you, uh, after the Kathy and Mo show, when the whole Ab Fab thing happened, you went to almost every single sitcom that I can remember. <laughs> like, I, I mean, there was that 70s show, Mad About You, you were in Friends. You, like, yeah, it was just, that must have been so thrilling. Well, it was thrilling to have jobs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and yeah. I, I liked a lot of those uh, sitcoms. I thought they were uh, good. I thought they were funny, and I was glad to have a job. So, yeah. But the first and best sitcom I was ever on was Ab Fab. I mean, what yeah. do you think, why do you think that that has survived? It's a series that is so grounded in in the zeitgeist of the time, you know, and yet it still works. Yeah, it still works. Well, I think because um, mainly because it, it it it's not a formulaic. You know what I mean? It's not like, mm. here's what we have to do and we can't go, we can't be to this or to that. I think because it's just Jennifer's brain 
and she doesn't have to listen to anybody. <laughs> you know what I yes. mean? She doesn't yeah. have to listen to people say, but she's not going to be likable or that's going to sound, that's politically incorrect or whatever or, it is. Yeah. Or could the dog be a cat? That sort of thing. <laughs> yes, exactly. Could the dog be a cat? Um, I think that's why it is the best sitcom I ever did because it was pretty much, it was just one person's vision that came true. And the other thing is that she's very, uh, Jennifer is very much whatever is the funniest thing yeah. wins. Do you know what I mean? She, she doesn't have an ego that way. Um, uh, which is why I love doing it because sometimes it would say, Mo says a prayer here. And then I would just have to make up a prayer or whatever. <laughs> Mo sings a song here. Mo says something here. And if she trusts you, you know, um, then you, you can improv, uh, yeah. on, around, around what she writes. So that's another reason I love doing it because it's, it's, it, it's like such a wonderful creative atmosphere that I, I freaking love it so much. And, she, and she, here, it's very different than that. Here you don't, uh, you say the lines pretty much on most shows. On some shows, like on Veep, which is another English show, I might add, or made by English people. Oh, yeah, they're yeah. Very, they very much let you improv around their lines. And uh, then they go back, and if the, you improv something they thought was funny, they'll put it in. And then on the day, you also get the improv. On the day, you... You film it. That's great. That's really, really yeah. freeing. Um, yeah. Oh, it is. It is incredibly. And, you know, you sort of get the idea if you're not being funny, you know yeah, they're not yeah. funny. But, yeah, hopefully you're funny. Well, uh, Jennifer Saunders recently, um, she named you as the funniest, uh, her, her fate, her, the funniest person that she's worked with. She, you that were the, the funniest so performer. Oh, my God. I think that's crazy, obviously. But... You know, on the cold, dark nights of the soul, at least I have that. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah. you know, when, when I saw that clip, And I'll tell you why she probably could say that. I don't even know. I don't know if I am the funniest person. She was being very kind. But uh, part of it is because, uh, she, because she lets you sort of go. She lets you, you know, because there's times when I have been sort of improv with Chris or whatever. And they don't yell cut. <laughs> they don't yell cut and you're just keep doing it and I would just keep doing it and keep doing it and finally I would have to say okay cut <laughs> or else I would still be doing it to this day she likes to be she likes to laugh she likes uh, she likes to laugh and she likes when people make her laugh so and I, I do remember yeah. when, when I saw that clip uh, I remember on the audio commentary of an, an episode of Absolutely Fabulous and I, I can't remember what one it was uh they did speak about you and she did say something uh, and this would have been back in the 90s when the DVDs came out mm. and it was something along the lines of that um, when you need to make uh, something funny you bring in Mo Gaffney <laughs> <laughs> so that's so you know, nice she's consistent yeah she is <laughs> she's very God. consistent yeah like, I think, have, not anymore Mo lost her, her jo mojo and yeah, <laughs> yeah very yeah. kind of and uh you know, the first time I saw, when I went over there to do the first Ab Fab, uh, they had already done the pilot, and I watched the pilot, and I thought it was, of course, the funniest thing I, I did. I came back to New York, and I was like, I just saw the funniest show I ever saw in my life. And then I did it, and then I did the show. Um, but at the end, when she pretends that she's going to go to Betty Ford, and oh, she's yeah. not, I just thought, that is why this show is brilliant. Because... <laughs> 
in any other sitcom, that would be the truth. She would be like, I am going to Betty Ford. But in this one, she was like, yes, darling. Yes, I think it's time, don't you? And then Safi leaves the room and she's like, hey, Pat, what's up? Yeah. So it was just, uh, that's genius. when I knew I thought, perfect. This is a perfect show. What she did with the movie, she introduced that pathos, which is right. so lovely. And I, I had read about it and thought, oh God, I don't know what that would be like for there to be touching scenes and absolutely fabulous. And it just works so beautifully. Well, it has to, you know, you can't just hate them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And they're like, in, increasingly, they're hateable people. I mean, they're just incredibly shallow and horrible people. But you have to see, uh, you have to see their hearts somewhere and not a lot, but just enough to, to not completely just disregard them as uh, hateful creatures. Yeah. You know, you've got to think, oh, but look, that poor thing. <laughs> I know. God bless them, you know. Yeah, I love, that's what I love about it anyway, is that uh, they're clueless, but they're, but they, I don't know, there's something you love about them. You you must have so much fun uh, making Going in with that crew, like with with Chris, who pl- who plays um, Marshall, Chris, little Chris. I mean that moment. It's actually still my mother will still mention this to me, and it's the moment where you uh br- like punch the Pringle <laughs> <laughs> and give it to him. Yeah, he has it's to just, smash it up. It's genius. Uh, yeah, I love Chris. I love him. I, he's just it's such a dear man, and um. Now I've known him for 20 odd years. How about that? Yeah, he's and he's will he's so willing as an actor to to do anything. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If it if it'll be funny or if it'll work for the piece. He's and that's what's great about all those people on Abfab is they're just willing to go right to the edge and sometimes over the edge yeah. um to serve to serve the piece. So it is joyful. It's a joyful place to work. I love it. It's, I, I really I really hope it's a sequel. Jennifer Saunders said that if people wanted, she would do one. But uh, oh, she will. She can't help herself. Oh God! She yeah, can't did, help herself. you must have. Could, it must have been such a joyful day, though. The day that she you open your email and there's a script. Yeah, it was. And well, since the beginning, since I guess how many seasons did she do? Three or four, five? I don't know. Uh, but every time she was like, "Yeah, that's it. I can't do this anymore." Honestly, and then five minutes later, she's like, "Well." Because they're based on trends. I mean, that's what they're just these yeah. voracious trend doers. And so that's something that we'll, we'll never run out of. So it's not like it ever has to stop because they're just these ridiculous people. And all they care about is the next uh, trend that's coming down the pike. So there will always, always be, be something. Yeah. yeah. And that's her that's what would happen is that some new ridiculous trend would come out and obviously Patsy and Eddie would have to try it out or you know what I mean? So it's yeah. never, we might get old, but I don't think Abba will get old. No, I don't. I really, I really don't think so. Um, I mean, one of the standout scenes of the, the later seasons of it was where you become the Christian evangelist. I know. How about that? I love it so much. You know how, where that came from in a way is that, uh, uh, Joanna and Jennifer came over to do Roseanne, to the Roseanne show. And uh, I, I did it with them. And while we were there sitting in the trailer at the Roseanne show, a TV show came on. And I can't remember the name of the network, but it was like the Trinity Broadcast System. And it was a religious channel, right? Yeah. And this guy came on and uh, was hilariously 
whatever, you know, uh, some sort of evangelical guy. And it was, they were shocked and appalled and delighted watching it, Joanna and Jennifer. And um, we just loved that channel because it was all about these crazy Christians. And I think that's probably where she got the idea to make us crazy Christians from this channel we saw. So, <laughs> it, was, it was brilliant. It was just genius. It's so fun to do. So fun to do. Obviously, it was just like um, such a massive highlight. Um, but of the other uh, TV work that you've done, is there anything that has come up to that? Like anything that you've enjoyed as much as that? Veep. Doing Veep. Oh, yeah, of course. It's brilliant. Yeah. Doing Veep. Be- number one, because the people, the other people on it, uh, the stars of it are so brilliantly funny. And number two, because of the producing team behind it, the producers and writers behind it are so... Um, funny and open and uh, just delighted to, to make this show. And um, so, yeah, that, that was another one where I thought, God, I wish I could come here every day because it would be heaven. So I would say that. I mean, they've done a lot of shows that have been really fun to do, but those two um, stick out as because uh, I felt so free uh, creatively at those places. Um, and of course, yeah, and I, and I felt some of that at other shows, at other jobs, um, to a certain extent. But like, there's a show called Two Broke Girls, which you know I don't watch a lot of TV, so I didn't watch it a lot. But there's two very funny women who star in that, and uh, I was asked to go do that, and I did. And I thought I don't know much about this, but they're talented. And, and then I got there, and it was really. I had such a great time because it was that sort of freedom of, uh, you know, you can try it, give it a shot. And if it doesn't work, they pull you back. But, uh, when you feel like you can really give it a shot, really go there with things, um, it makes it such a joy to do them. And it must've been lovely working with Matt Walsh as well, who, um, pe- people may not know that, uh, you host a, a podcast with Matt Walsh's wife, Morgan. I do. Yes, and I that do. Must be lovely. It was great, except we didn't have a scene together. I, my scene oh. was with Julia Louis-Dreyfus and, um, Tony Hale and then Patricia Callenber, uh, and, um, oh God, I can't remember their names now, but they were fabulous actors. And, uh, so I, but he came by the set that day, even though he wasn't working to, uh, to say hello. And so that was really kind of him. I've worked with him though, before I, he directed, he made a movie and I had a part in his movie and he directed me in that. And he's great. He's so funny and talented and I, just a lovely, lovely, lovely person. I, I actually, I met Morgan uh, in UCB when I was in Los Angeles. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Don't you love I, yeah. I, I was actually Skyping my parents <laughs> in the cafe and uh, then went up to buy myself a can of Coke and literally bumped into Morgan and we and we ended up talking about the Momo show. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Yeah, I love her. She's my best friend. She's my BFF. She's amazing. She's brilliant. Yeah, I, I just, I, you're, the, the Momo show got me through a tour about two years ago when I, I discovered the Momo show and literally listened to it back to back in the car oh, for oh my uh, god for I'm sorry months. I apologize <laughs> it was amazing you kept me alive and awake at the <laughs> on the we night driving back able, we haven't been able to do we haven't done it in a long time because she's got like 50 kids and yeah. <laughs> her tea company and I'm in and out of town so maybe we'll go back to it one day but right now we're like uh, there's just no she, is she in town I don't even know yeah but it's fun when we do it I'll tell you that 
but before you go, I wanted to ask you actually about um, a scene that you did with, uh, I, I'm a massive Tyne Daly fan. Uh, and, oh and you played her God. dentist. I did. <laughs> you played I her did play the dentist, yeah. I, 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 met, <laughs> I met Tyne Daly uh, in New York about uh, maybe, oh God, it was about eight years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I interviewed her for something. And uh, rather than interview her in her dressing room, we went for a walk around New York. Wow. And it was one of the most amazing, well, era of my life. Because uh, she was actually doing her grocery shopping between the oh. matinee and the evening show. And it was just, she was so cool. I love Time Daily. It was very exciting. I mean, that, I don't even remember. Uh, that was like the uh, sort of a nothing part in in her show. I forget the name of the show even. Oh, Judging Amy. Judging Amy, right. And um, But since it was with Tyne Daly, I was like, please, please let me do this. Uh, just so I could meet Tyne Daly. Because yeah. <laughs> I love her so much. She's such a brilliant actress and such a, she's such a substantial person. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's yeah. some people you think of, oh, yeah, they're a good actress. But she's like just such a person. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was pretty exciting for me. I love her so much. I know. I I, I interviewed uh, Barney Rose's wife, who created Cagney and Lacey. Ah, uh, yes. And um, it was really interesting because one of the questions I asked him was why he why it has survived because I think it's it's unnerving really to, if you watch an episode of it today that it it kind of really it stands up like it, it doesn't feel like it was in just an early eighties cop show. And yeah, yeah. The um, he gave a really interesting answer and he said, well all of the issues that were in that they were battling in the 80s uh the world and women are still battling today so that's why it feels so relevant isn't that crazy it's so it's true ridiculous. though it's it's ridiculous and it's incredibly annoying uh uh but change takes a long time it just does i mean that that's the that's what's interesting about, like, let's say the Bernie Sanders, a lot of the younger Bernie Sanders supporters, is that I'm delighted that they're engaged in the process. Um, yeah. I think it's great. Uh, I've always been engaged in the process, and I'm delighted at myself as well. But I, like them, when I was young and excited about uh, being engaged in the process, um, was very frustrated at uh, the fact that things don't change overnight. And even though you vote for something that actually is enacted, it doesn't change overnight. And the repercussions from change don't happen overnight. And, you know, change takes a long time. And um, so those issues that Cagney and Lacey addressed back then, they are better, but change takes time. And uh, we're not there yet on a lot of them. Uh, And I think it's really interesting that we don't have a lot. I mean... It's not like we have a ton of stuff about women's issues to look back on and say, oh, look, that look what what that reflected about us. Do you know what I mean? Because there weren't a lot of let's face it. How many two female cop shows can you name in the past 50 years? I know there's very few. And and (laughs) what's interesting about that is it was such a hit. Yes. And normally when when something's a big hit, they copy and copy and copy. Um, Yeah. And they didn't really. No, they didn't. Because, I mean, look at anything. Uh, well, not anything, but somebody, I follow somebody on Twitter, which you should follow. She's hilariously funny. Her name is Paula Pell, and she writes for uh, SNL. 
And uh, uh, do you know her? Uh, yeah, I do. I definitely know her name. Yeah. Yeah. You got to follow her on Twitter. She's hilarious. But she posted uh, a picture from a billboard from, I forget the name of the movie. It's something, I think it's one of those movies, uh, either about a heist, which they always are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, something about a heist. And there were like uh, just the heads of all the people that are in the movie. And there were, I think, eight heads. And only one head was female. And she said, uh, it's good to know that, uh, whatever, she sort of made a snarky comment about how far Hollywood's come as far as uh, gender equality. And um, I think that's just the truth with anything. They're sort of like, if we at least, if we have one female cop show, that's enough. If we have one girl in the nine-person cast, that's enough. You know what I mean? We haven't quite gotten over the hump where uh, women are... Uh, valued as much as men. It's, it's just the way it is. I, I find the, the gender one, uh, like the gender balance thing, I've always found completely ridiculous because if you get that right, then everything else falls into place. You don't suddenly have, uh, well, what about, uh, you know, a black comic or a gay comic or, a, you know, mm-hmm. if you just get the gender balance right, then everybody is included. It's just one thing that has to get, we have to get right and we still can't do yeah, it. Yeah, we still can't do it. We still can't. I mean, yeah, it is crazy. And, uh, but it's been a long time. I mean, what we have to realize as much as we know things now, we absolutely know them. Um, we just got the vote here less than a hundred years ago in our country. Do you know what I mean? So it's like when you think historically, uh, there's way more history when women were basically chattel than there is history when women were independent beings. So it's, it takes some catching up. We have to, yeah. we just have to keep going and know that uh, whatever we do now in our little, you know, increment of time will work towards tomorrow's increment of time for people that come after us. I mean, that's like with, uh, with gay rights, LGBT rights. I could not imagine when I was doing a, whatever, Lambda Pride Festival back in 81 that uh, people, gay people could get married in my lifetime. I could not have imagined yeah. that. I, I honestly couldn't. I could not have imagined that. And it, now it's real. And, and it's interesting because in Ireland uh, it was a criminal offence up until 1993. Oh my Jesus, right. So, I mean... So in that, it, there's been a big leap there. But when you think of 1993 and, or 94, that was when Ab Fab started. There you go. It's so, all I mean, Ab Fab, thank God. Yeah, but it, 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> it's Ab Fab and we won the Eurovision for the second time in a row that year. So somebody just thought, you know what, in for a penny, in for a pound. <laughs> Let's decriminalize this. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah, so, but it, the change takes a long time, and I think we everyone knows that. But but when you're young, it's harder to put up with it because yeah. you're full of you're full of finding things out. You know, when you find out as you grow older that things aren't fair, yeah, <laughs> that that's tough. And it's that's the one tough. assumption that we make. We just assume yeah. that at some point there'll be because this. our our parents try and teach us to be fair. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So all along, they've been stuffing fairness into your head and heart. And then at the point where you get to look around and see what's going on outside your home, you realize that uh, as fair as you think you are, not the world doesn't particularly work that way unless you fight for it. 
So anyways, I could talk about this forever. (laughs) Well, you know what? The world may not be fair, but I think it's so fantastic that there's people like you (laughs) that are redressing the balance. Because I watched you, uh, I watched one uh, speech, the War on Women speech uh, on YouTube. My God. My God, <laughs> you can speak. <laughs> well, I, I tell you, let me, uh, it's so funny because, well, not funny exactly, I don't know what it is, but it's true, I think, that in people who have been, uh, I'm going to say sinned against, although I don't believe in sin, but um, oppressed and abused and whatever you want to call it, I just think there is a huge reservoir of rage. I know there is in me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I know yeah. there is this a huge reservoir of rage in me that uh, because I'm a fact and I'm a woman and that is a fact of me and that's like with gay people. It's not, don't tolerate gay people. You have to freaking accept it because they are facts. That's all. Nothing but a fact. So um, to, to, to be seen as somehow wrong or have to we have to change you or you're less than because of the fact of your being alive uh fills me with rage or and and um i just think we have to access that we're it, we're distracted too much by things as uh, i can only i'll speak for women we're distracted by how we're supposed to we you know the culture says we're supposed to look or how what feminine is supposed to be and uh we're, we're distracted by belly tops and high heels and all of that. Yeah. We're distracted by it because it keeps us from accessing our righteous. And in this case, uh, with how uh, a lot of people have been treated, whether LGBT or, or women or um, people of color, uh, we have righteous rage in us. And, uh, and they keep us distracted. I don't know who they are. <laughs> yeah. I straight white men but that's yes. just me yeah. um, <laughs> and uh, I think it would be interesting and certainly before I die I'd love to see a real uh, real access uh, to that rage and uh, and see what happens see what blows up uh, and I don't mean that I don't mean that in the actual explosions I, know. <laughs> I mean that in a, uh, idea sense exactly I, anyways yeah I'm I'm, I'm, I'm Deep down in the very heart of me, I'm incredibly, incredibly uh, rageful. <laughs> but you've done such brilliant stuff with that. Oh, and, thank you, know, you so And much. that's the, you know, I, I think that rage and anxiety, they're all, I think they're all the the fuel, they're fuels, I think. Yeah, there of, you go. Of, some, of, you know, creativity and, you know, change. Yeah. That was very lofty. <laughs> it's not lofty at all. It's just true. And every now and then we've got to let ourselves talk like that and not feel like it's too lofty because uh, it just means we are closer to understanding ourselves and there's nothing wrong with that. But here's what I need. How do you say your first name? Garode? No. Uh, Garode. Yeah, that's it. Garode. Yeah, that's it. Really? Oh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. how smart I am yeah it's right first time and there's Irish people that don't get it right first time <laughs> so funny Garod okay I love Irish names I have one you know my name is Maureen Maureen yes and your, your sister's Eileen as well is that right oh here's all the names Maureen Colleen Eileen Kathleen Timothy and Michael oh my god there that's a clatter yeah. of Irish names 
really is. That's that's nearly as bad as my family, which is Garoda, Negroni, Roshi, and Kieran and Jennifer. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's going to think we're from anywhere else. You're, you're never going to hear any of those names in a spelling bee, let me tell you. because <laughs> <laughs> well, Now I can spell yours, so I feel pretty good. Okay. <laughs> All right. Oh my God. Well, thank you so much, Mo. It's been just more than a pleasure. <laughs> my pleasure. I hope you can uh, stitch this together so I don't sound like a. Because uh, I'm not very funny when I'm just talking to somebody. Oh, no, but I think you're hilarious. I, but I think, like, you're just a great way of putting your thoughts forward. That's what absolutely sold me on the Momo show. I just thought this is genius. <laughs> oh, God bless you. It's been such a pleasure, Mo. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'm so glad I could do it. Thank you so much. The amazing Mo Gaffney there. What a pleasure it was to talk to her. I think it really does you good to know that there are people like Mo in the world. And if you would like a little bit of Mo in your world, she is on Twitter and her uh, username is at Mo Gaffney. My thanks to everybody at Headstuff, Bunsen and of course the fabulous, fantastic, brilliant Mo Gaffney. You can follow me on Twitter at Garode Farrelly or fascinated at headstuff.org if you would like to send me an email. Abfab the movie is in cinemas now and the series is available to watch on Netflix. Parallel Lives and The Dark Side are available in a two DVD pack with loads of bonus material and I really recommend watching them. They're, they're just absolutely amazing. And also the lovely people at Headstuff have got fascinated stickers. So if you want stickers, I'm on them. It's really weird seeing stickers of yourself. I can't give them to anybody. It's really weird. It's like, put this sticker of me somewhere. Anyway, if you want some, just send me an email. I'll foot the bill for the postage. I can't imagine there's going to be a deluge. And now I have some news. On Saturday, the 24th of September, I will be doing the first ever live recording of a fascinated podcast. It will be in the green room of the Cork Opera House as part of the Cork Comedy Festival. My guests will be the fantastic Lily Higgins and there'll also be some surprises. Tickets are a very affordable five euro and they are available on CorkComedyFest.com. If you like this episode, please do share it with your friends. Like John Quinlevin. John is from Galway and I've been meaning to do a shout out for him for ages because he always listens to the podcast when he is out running and he goes on these really long 20 mile runs. So John, if you're listening to this, you're probably at the end of one. So uh, come on, you could do it. (laughs) I'm sorry, John. Oh, I'll try it again. Come on, John. Is that? I don't know. There, I hope that was inspiring. That's it for me. There will be a new episode soon. So stay subscribed. Thanks for listening. Yeah, the lamp has just chosen this moment to pass away. <laughs> this podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Free Kids Workshops are back in stores at the Home Depot. On the first Saturday of every month from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m., bring your little ones to a local Home Depot for a hands-on learning experience that kids love. Find more kid-friendly projects and kids' workshop kits at homedepot.com slash kids. For 25 years, the Home Depot has been building confident future doers with its free kids' workshops. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Lost by last, U.S. only.